Nemos and Mermaids, Navi and Goongans, you are now tuned in to the Disney Holic Show. Hello and welcome to the Disney Holic Show. That's Jen Diz. And that's Mike TV. Splish Splash, today we're diving into the depths of the ocean to explore fun facts about Disney and the deep blue seas, including The Little Mermaid, Atlantis, Jar Jar Binks, and Disneyland Submarine Voyage. Hey, Jen, how are you feeling? I know you're a little bit under the weather, but here we are. You're still here to record with us today. Yes, I am definitely not in the best of shape today. So apologies ahead of time. If you'll hear me hitting the mute button all the time or maybe sneak in a quick cough, I don't want to make it an editing nightmare for Mike tonight. (laughs) So I'm going to try my hardest. However... We are here, and we are going to nail this episode, so I'm very happy. And thank you, Mike. I am going to be doing very little talking, and I appreciate your help with this. <laughs> no problem. And also, we wish you the best of health and everybody listening. I know it's winter, and it's like sicky season, so stay healthy out there. Listen to yes. our podcast. Grab up, grab some hot tea if you're also under Ooh, the weather. Ooh, that sounds good right now. There we go. I have some hot cider downstairs I'm probably going to make later. Mmm, festive also on top of it. Well, it's yes. been a while since we've done a miscellany segment because it's just a bunch of random things that are on our minds as Disneyholics and some news updates here and there that I thought we need to talk about. So starting with something that we've all been seeing, especially on Instagram, is people's Spotify wrapped, which is pretty cool. That's where you get to see all the music you listened to that year in 2022 and fun facts about you from a music perspective. But we got our own version of Spotify wrapped for our podcast. So Spotify does that for podcasts. And I cannot believe the milestones with the two of us, just us little people here in the world. We've achieved so much in two years and we are having so much fun. I hope you are too. And then I hope our listeners are enjoying all of it. But the number that really stood out to me was 4,204 minutes of content is how much you and I have put out into the world in just 2022. 4,200 minutes. Oh my we love we love talking and we, we love, love Disney. So <laughs> fill so up those minutes. Cool. We'll definitely get that warped or wrapped every single year. Right. That's that is an achievement. Yes, and we are overachievers because we usually go over our uh, originally planned like forty five minute episodes. Our average now is like an hour and a half, maybe two. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's crazy. actually interesting. I think data says the best is to stay like on an average commute because most people like to listen while they're commuting. However, we haven't had a single person complain, and I hope this doesn't start the complaints coming in, but <laughs> we like our long episodes, and we seem to like have all of you listening along, and some of you even participate by chatting in on Instagram or somewhere else to let us know like your thoughts about the episode as you're listening, which is always so much fun, too. So thanks for sticking out with us for these very long, long uh Big minute episodes. (laughs) It's funny because I listen to podcasts so much more now ever since 
uh, we started this together and since you introduced me to different podcasts and they seem so mm-hmm. short now when they end at like 30 or 40. Right, you're like, what? That's it? Yeah. It's like, wait, there's, I want more. Uh, so that is very funny. But yes, as you said, thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our Patreon members, our social media followers, all of you. Um, now let's get to some updates on our own uh, movie and TV show watching behaviors we are so behind on some disney stuff i want to know if you caught up at all since the last time we spoke so we're behind on andor guardians of the galaxy holiday special disenchanted and then strange world so three of those are on disney plus strange world is still in theaters have you watched any of those yet i have seen one. Oh, okay which one one of those things guess guardians guardians oh okay i i'm gonna i need to watch it i should watch it it's close enough to christmas right yeah okay and then we could talk about it we could talk about it i haven't seen yeah the others i'll save it (laughs) i haven't seen andor disenchanted strange world i haven't even watched the new guardians of the galaxy trailer because i haven't seen the holiday special yet and i want to watch it in order which i don't think right really they're they're probably not that connected but still in my mind i i don't feel like much yeah, I don't want to say anything. Never mind. I'll leave it. <laughs> okay. it's. I'm assuming no it's just like a fun side thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. okay. exactly. So uh, speaking of trailers, there are a bunch of trailers that came out. I mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is supposed to be the final. And um, I have not seen the trailer yet because I want to watch the holiday special first. So not sure. Have you had a, t- had a chance to watch it? I have not. I have not. We'll probably see it start playing in theaters as well, probably like before Avatar, I'm assuming. Um, Is there anything else to see in the theaters right now, though? No, right? Not really. Not really. I guess Strange World, but I don't know if they... Yeah, they'd probably show it before Strange World because it's Disney. Oh, that's so bad that I forgot that's literally playing right now. (laughs) And this trailer could definitely... It is probably before that. Um, Probably. So, yeah, Strange World... The other trailer that came out was Across the Spider-Verse. I know you're a huge fan of uh, Into the Spider-Verse. That trailer's out? It just came out this morning or yesterday, I think. Oh, man. It's a good one. Yeah, I've been out of it. Uh (laughs) It's a good trailer. It's uh, like the first half is like really serious to remind you about what's at stake with Miles Morales and and his family. And then it goes big and you're just like, I can't wait to watch this. It's like there's... Oh, I'm excited about that one for sure. Hundreds of thousands of variants. Like... I can't even keep my eyes, like, there's just so much. I bet you if you pause it, it's like, where's Waldo in some of these edits? Oh, my gosh. So many Easter eggs, probably. So many Easter eggs. And um, the cool part is it's coming out while the MCU is in the middle of the multiverse saga. So I know we keep wondering, are these going to ever connect? Like, will they step foot out of the cartoon and into the MCU at some point? That would be crazy. Right. Hmm. so that trailer's out. Highly recommend people watch it. It's not very spoiler heavy at all. Uh, another trailer that has been out that I haven't really talked about yet is the um, Ant-Man Quantumania trailer. So that movie comes out pretty soon, I think February, and brings Kang the Conqueror back. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is because that movie looks so much like Strange World. And I think that's also an issue. Like when I saw the trailers back to back, it looked like a cartoon version and then a movie version because they go into like basically like inner space in Ant-Man Quantumania and everything is like molecules and it looks like um, Magic School Bus, which is exactly what Strange World looks like. 
or journey oh, all okay. those things right journey, okay. journey to the center of the earth and so, uh, anyways i thought that was funny with these weird way too similar looking projects right between that wonder if that's a strategy or if it's on accident right <laughs> it's i don't like it like this looks too much like strange world and then avatar and um black panther yeah <laughs> look too much like each other confusing uh, so yeah, those trailers are out if anyone is a fan of Spidey and the MCU. There's also a TV show that I've been watching and I'm caught up on. It's called Welcome to Chippendales. And now this is one of those TV shows that probably falls under what Bob Chapek used to call the capital D, where it's like Disney, but it's not Disney, but it's Disney because it's Hulu and it's on Disney+. Plus. But this is an adult show, just like... Um, Pam and Tommy was when we talked about that last Wait, year. Wait, is it on Disney Plus in America? It's on Hulu in America, Disney, I think, in the UK, in Canada. Oh, okay, okay. Wherever that split is when we see, like, <laughs> yeah. Pam and Tommy and American Horror Story, it always follows the same country. It's weird. Got it. Okay. Um, so I guess America's not ready yet to see it on next not to Mickey ready. Mouse's face. <laughs> we need, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to see, like, a, a leather daddy from American Horror Story NYC. Right. It, it's very jarring. Yeah. It is. I agree. That's another show I can watch while I'm sick. I need to watch Ooh. that. Um, okay. So Welcome to Chippendales is not about the chipmunks. It's about the Chippendales strip show or strip cabaret that we all know and love since we were kids. Like we knew about it. I knew what that was. The guys oh, yeah. The, like everyone would get all the ladies like a Chippendales calendar yes. for Christmas. Oh, my God. Yes. That was like the women's get back at the men that they like their coworkers. They always have like women calendars. <laughs> in their office so they're like we're gonna have a Chippendales in ours. Oh, like the Sports Illustrator. Okay, you will love the show then because of what you just said. So the show <laughs> is, and you know, we all like these sort of underdog shows follow this entrepreneur, try to make it big. Especially in this case, um, mm-hmm. he's played by Kumal Nanjani who plays the founder of Chippendales who's actually from India. I did not know that and just that part already like intrigued me so much. Now I'm like, I have to know all about right? the story now. Like who knew? I've never even thought about where it came so from. So cool. Yeah. So and even the name itself is like some cabinet manufacturer that he just liked as a kid. And he's like, we'll name it Chippendales. <laughs> it had nothing to what? do with stripping. <laughs> anyway, so you'll see That's this. so weird. Some of these fun facts I knew, I definitely didn't know about his background. So that is a huge, yeah, huge selling point to see like, you know, that American dream story happen. And this takes place right, right, absolutely. 70s. So it's like disco. The outfits are great. And um, the actor that you like from White Lotus, who played the hotel manager in season one, he's uh, plays a big role in this. He's um, I do love him. like a choreographer who helps them with the dance moves. And Juliette Lewis is in it. Love her and love like, it's not really a comeback, but you know, when it's people like from our generation, it's always exciting to see them thrive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, she's so good. And she's really good. Like, oh, hey, good. she's still around. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited. So yeah, very good show. I highly recommend anybody check it out if you like to see those type of stories. And yes, there are uh, naked men doing, not naked, but they do the strip show choreography, but it's fun. It's like literal choreography. So once they get from being like the ragtag group and they start learning choreography, those scenes are really fun to watch because it's just dancing. So, yeah, there's that Chippendale show. Welcome to Chippendales on Hulu and Disney Plus, but Hulu on the U- in the U.S. It's awesome. Christine McCarthy. Does that name ring a bell to you? It sure as hell does. <laughs> what does it, it sure mean? does. What does her name mean to you? <laughs> 
So, a couple things. I know, did you hear me cough a second ago? Oh, I like no. hit the mute button. I hit the mute and it didn't take it, and so I had this big inhale. Oh no. And then I was like, oh, it didn't work. I pressed our cough sound effect just because of Christine McCarthy, because she's annoying. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Her too, I, did, yes. I don't have I a wish she was sound. as sick as I am right now. So, <laughs> Christine, that's such an evil thing to hope on somebody, but anyway, she is the CFO of Disney, right? Like the overall CFO, yes, whole company. That's her. So she's currently and CFO. And she's the one that made that nasty comment about the waistlines on that earnings call. Yep. Cutting cost and that will help us cut our waistlines. Unbelievable. So oh no, cutting costs, ooh. not portions, cutting costs, portion cutting sizes. The amount of yes, the freaking portions for the same price. That's what a rude. Bee. So she's very rude. She does not have. I don't. Is this the right word? Couth. <laughs> she's just not. Um, she doesn't have an eloquent speaking. Um, well, same with Chapek. I mean, obviously, and yeah. they're evidently lacking PR people left and right yeah. out there. Like, what is going on? They're just like word vomiting. Her and Chapek are just going wild. <laughs> like, and even let's if just that say comment, whatever's on their mind, right? Everything that's on their mind, they just blab it out. If if that comment was said, and even if it was closed doors, and I was a shareholder, I would still be like, "Don't talk about our customers like that. Like, that's rude." So, anyways, so yes, that's Christine McCarthy, current chief financial officer of Disney, and now it's being rumored that she might be next in line to be CEO after Bob Iger because she has the most qualifications. Now, again, it goes back to what you think are qualifications. We are both uh, right. we dabble in HR and we work in HR in our real in our day jobs, and we know that it's more than qualifications. You have to have like core values and behavioral. Uh, traits that match the company and I don't know I'm just I'm worried about someone like Christine McCarthy who's been in finance for 23 years at the Disney company so she only thinks about the bottom line I don't know about putting her at the top of a creative company I okay so these rumors are all influencers again right do we have any rumors coming from any real sources not that I know of, but <laughs> I think it is more so right now. There's a lot of Wall Street analysts that the influencers are getting their information from, which is different okay. than it used to be before. It's less about people trying to get entertainment rumors. They're all trying to get these business rumors because of stock. So I, st I kind of I guess I'm going for not influencers like um, media, Disney yeah, media. All the analysts out there. So I think... I think I would actually believe a little bit more than the normal entertainment rumors we get because people have money. I just feel um, like I, I don't – I'm not taking this one very seriously because I've heard this rumor as well. But I feel like if we got rid of Chapek and then we brought her on, like what are we even doing? Like it just seems like the same problem over again, right? It seems right. like they knew that he was not – he didn't carry a lot of the – needs of the Disney shareholders and the Disney fans and the, all that stuff. Um, and he was such a money person. So why would we bring in the same personality type? Right. Especially again? after Iger said and, that whole thing about creatives. Right. Yeah. And like they brought Iger back specifically to get somebody and he's re like restructuring for the creative minds to be back in focus. So like, why would he then just be like, oh, let's just go with this lady who's going to have the same problems. Right. Like it just, I don't, I don't think that would happen, but I, I'm wrong all yeah. the time, so who, who knows? knows? But. It, there, there is more to the story. And I learned that Christine McCarthy, again, this is all through these anal business analyst grapevine 
which is again different than our normal Disney influencer grapevine. Uh, but we usually hear it through our influencers. But the analysts and the people who get all these leaks from Wall Street and business and, and huge companies are saying that Christine McCarthy is the one who orchestrated the coup against Chapek to get him out of there. And oh, yeah, she was, right? She nuts? was like the biggest problem with him. Yeah, and apparently I she, forgot went, about that. she went to the board and said, I have no confidence in Bob Chapek. And what's funny is everything you just said is what somebody would say about her if she would take it. It would be the same. So I don't know. Glass houses, Christine McCarthy. The other thing is that um, the the whole thing with finding a successor for for Bob Iger is whatever they're lacking, he has two years to upskill them in that area. So that's the other thing is can you upskill somebody on that stuff that we keep saying that she does? We we assume she doesn't have or that Chapek lacked. I don't know if, if he can or not. I guess we'll find out over time. She also has this only one headshot portrait that keeps going around in the press, and she just looks so evil, <laughs> like a, a villain, like a um, Corella DeVille type. And I, and I also starting to feel bad because I'm like, am I putting this poor woman in a box? She's, it's also great that she's a female leader at this global company. <laughs> and so part of me is confused. So guess what I did? I looked her up on LinkedIn, and I found out that her avatar on LinkedIn is so sweet. It's her with her dog. And she doesn't look anything Aww. like the evil villain portrait corporate headshot. <laughs> so I'm torn now. I'm like, I hope if if they really do go with her, I hope those skills are trainable. I hope they could fix her. <laughs> yeah, those skills, especially like the charisma and the empathy, those are like some of the hardest skills to train. So hard. Those are usually natural skills, right? So like, like personality skills versus... Uh, work and task skills are very different. So, right. yeah, and I, I don't know much about her. And the fact that she was the, f- the main person running against, Ch- or not running against Chapek, running Chapek out the door, keeps me, like, catching that, like, oh, yeah, wait a second. Maybe if she sees the problem, then she wouldn't just be the exact same problem, right? So yeah. maybe and maybe there is some hope with her. I have no idea. Um, Iger has also stated that she was the main driver for making sure all those acquisition deals happened the way they happened, the way he wanted it to. So who knows? I th- she shot herself in the foot by she's only known right now by the fan community for that dumbass comment she said. Yeah. And, you know, she needs <laughs> so to do bad. PR for herself, like in the fan community. <laughs> I feel like that will take two years longer than anything else. So they need to start on that now, if that's the case. God, because uh, there's something I want more yeah. than a woman to be the head of Disney, but not just for the sake, you know, of a woman. It needs to be someone who's amazing. So we'll see. Right, right. Um, other random news you might have heard about Thanks. this is uh, over with Disney Cruise Line, they bought this giant half-finished cruise ship. Um, out of I did Germany. not hear about this. Yeah, so there's this huge, it's the largest cruise ship in the world once it's completed. Wow. It's huge, and there's already huge ones. It's bigger than anything that's out there. And it's about halfway done is the, is the term I keep hearing. It was created by um, a Chinese-owned company for the Chinese market to sail around there. And that company went bankrupt. And so Disney purchased it on like, pennies on the dollar is that the term like dirt cheap oh yeah because now they're just like trying to get rid of it basically yeah and it's cr- like Oof. like probably a fifth five percent of the cost of building one of their regular size wow. Disney ship. Yeah. so they still have to obviously fit the bill to f- fit the bill to finish it 
but this is going to be a really good financial decision for them if it works out a lot of fans out there on the disney cruise fans are saying you know how do you reverse engineer something when it wasn't designed for something in the beginning but we've seen them do that how many times <laughs> countless times with a yeah um, anytime there's a new attraction put in right yeah uh, guardians mission breakout uh frozen ever after <laughs> they did it there yeah. too. so i think they'll figure it out and it it looks raw enough that there's a lot of design elements haven't been put in yet so we'll see this is interesting so this is going to be added to all the cruise ships they already had planned on launching uh, the original name of the ship was Global Dream, so I'm assuming they're going to change that name as well. I mean, yeah. why? It's got the name right out of the hat. <laughs> right, it's picked out of the hat. There already is I a Disney Global Dream. Global is not necessarily <laughs> good for them. Yeah. Uh, Magical Dream. Disney Cruise. <sighs> ah, I want to go. Okay, so I found out some other fun things holiday related that I came across just today. I learned that if you're staying at Disney World, on Christmas Eve, December 24th, at a deluxe hotel, you can get what's called a Santa's Magic Key. What the heck? What do you think that is? First of all, why are they using the magic key term <laughs> in Disney World? Like, I, First of all, I learned that this was first. This has been going on for years, and I just learned oh, about it. Oh, that's even worse. Even worse. Yeah, yeah they, they need to not reuse the same terminology for completely different things. Magic okay, key. Santa's I Magic Key. That. That's so funny. Santa's magic key would give you a key if you're staying at the Grand Floridian to open the gingerbread house. Ooh, that would be very cool. Anytime you want and have all the gingerbread cookies you could ever imagine. And then the witch eats you. Um, That's very cute, (laughs) but it is not that. But it is similarly as cute. So if you are staying, this is made for, I guess, families, but we could use it too as grownups. But (laughs) if you have kids... Santa doesn't have a chimney to come down to give you your gifts. So you can go to the front desk at these deluxe hotels and they'll give the kids Santa's magic key. It's this little key and you get to keep it. It's a keepsake for free. And you put it around your doorknob and that lets Santa know that there's a child in there that doesn't have a chimney and they need to go give the gifts there. And so the parents can give their gifts to concierge and they will deliver. Oh my God, that's so cute isn't it the cutest i couldn't even believe that this has been happening i didn't know about it <laughs> it's almost like the fish extenders vibrate yeah like, that you do on the cruises totally uh i think that's so cute that and magical. is so adorable Santa's oh my gosh i love that oh no chimney i feel like i've lived in houses without chimneys what about people in apartments rude yeah i don't have a <laughs> chimney what the heck <laughs> i never thought about it Maybe I should try hanging a key on my door this year. <laughs> uh, let's see. Other miscellany things that we need to talk about. Okay, so Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're going to hop over to Marvel again. The roadmap for all the movies that we've heard are coming that we learned about at Comic-Con over the year, over last summer. A lot of that stuff is changing, and I think this is coming back to Bob Iger letting the creatives have more decision-making power, like Kevin Feige. So... I think he has more freedom now and he might be moving things around both story-wise and giving more projects room to breathe. So I know, okay. at the end, that should be good for us fans. I don't know specifically what that is, so hopefully we'll get some announcements probably like after Quantumania comes out, I think. All right, all right. MCU. Um, Moana at Disney World. So they keep on showing us I oh guess this is world. so funny i can't even with the, this i don't even know her name Nif- nifidi tafidi yeah tafidi uh 
Tefiti? Yeah, Tefiti? The, no, now I the don't goddess, know. The goddess island volcano uh, person from Moana. The green one. The green one. She's covering <laughs> the grassy one. Grassy. After, only after she's uh, vanquished. Right. <laughs> she turns back. That's right. Uh, but she is the weenie of, is that the right word for it? For the world, the journey of water play, water play area at Epcot that's coming in late 2023. What? Oh my God. Why even tell us that she's there? If we have to wait a whole year, we're going to see her peeking Why is out. It taking so long? Behind it's those Epcot like... walls all year, her head. Like, so oh my dumb. God. Like cover it with go away green or something. Uh, so the funny part is, I don't know if you see it because I don't know if I commented as Disney Holics or myself, but I'm going to town arguing with these people on Instagram Uh-oh. right now. <laughs> Uh, about this Moana thing. So before I talk about what they're yelling about, what are your thoughts on it? I heard you moan and groan a little bit. No, it's just like, I saw some memes, and I honestly haven't been paying attention too much recently to much of anything. I've been so busy. But is it true that the monorail is going through her butt? (laughs) I just have to know. That one was a good meme, but that one someone photoshopped it. Damn it! But that would have been a really okay. bad... Well, that's better, actually, because I was like, who didn't realize that? You know how they make, like, a like a toy, and then it comes out, like, totally phallic or something weird oh, about yeah. it, and, like, they don't think through it? That's what I thought happened to this. Um, there was something else really weird about it, too, another thing that might be fake, but now I I'm, I'm, haven't been able to look into it either. I can't even remember what it was. But I was very stuck on the monorail going right through her. And I'm like, do we have to? Like, what is happening with that? The the monorail still goes far around that area. Um, All I know is I'm just, like, not excited about this thing at all. No. It's like a water play area. It's It's just like a whatever. And the fact that it's taking, like, two years to get it done from their announcements, like, what are we waiting for? It's so bad. Okay, so it was announced in 2019. Right, yeah, like, if you want to go back that far, yeah. And <laughs> Technically, the Disney like World was only closed years. for a handful of months for the pandemic. So people can only That's use that true. excuse, right, for a little bit. Um, if anything, they should have been able to do more work while it was closed. Now, the part I'm arguing on Instagram is, of course, my first comment when, I think it was Disney Imagineering posted the thing, the, the Tafiti being installed, and it says, coming late 2023. And I wrote something like... Um, like why does no 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 actually I was running someone someone else started the whole comment thread about the length of time someone else said why is this coming out in 2023 like what else is there to do and then I also, that's when I started commenting I was like I was like yeah this is this is weird um, why show us now you should stop announcing things so early and then all these people were going after me and that person <laughs> all these Disney defenders. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I'm a Disney fan too, but I'm not going to Wait, what were they here. saying though? Oh, okay. They're so like, the... you should be appreciative that there's yep. stuff. They're like, it takes long me. to do quality thing, art like this and you should be patient and you're so blah, blah, blah. This isn't time. even like a ride. Yeah. It's just a thing. It's a water like play it area. literally shouldn't take that long. Oh, it's so funny. And then I had written something back like, hey, my local shopping center and malls can put something like this overnight. Put it up overnight. Yeah, yeah. And then this person was attacking me and was like, yeah, right. If your local mall did that, it would just be cardboard cutouts. And I was like, 
So I wrote back, it's like, well, my local mall is Times Square and Macy's Herald Square. So I've seen them put up <laughs> entire exhibits overnight and have to take them down because cars are driving there the next day. So I was like, don't tell me that it can't be done. In and, fact, we've yeah. seen Disney do this we numerous have. times. They had a whole yeah. swimming Olympic swimming pool on Main Street for like a day. Oh, my God. That's a perfect example. I'm going to start using that one. That's <laughs> yeah. a good. And even the expo, the stuff they put up there, then they set up and break it down for just a weekend. And, totally. And the point is, we know it's true. And I, I had wrote some, I written something there like we've seen projects uh, move faster, including Galaxy's Edge. That's an entire land. It felt long because we wanted it, but it was fine. And then, like, Cars Land was pretty quick. Mission Breakout was pretty quick for just, like, a one-time thing. Mission Breakout was, like, three months yeah. or something. <laughs> so I listed all these things, including Universal Projects. They're building a whole theme park shorter than the time of Tron. And so the person writes back, and it's like, well. That's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. They're just, and I end up saying something like, hey, listen, I'm just expressing my thoughts. We're all Disney fans here. Um, I love the Imagineers and the creatives. I'm talking. I'm making fun of the decisions at the top. And then this person wrote back and it's like, oh, I, I was once an Imagineer and the creatives are so important and I agree with So it ended up coming to a nice little Disney hug at the end. But <laughs> I just think it's funny that some people defend these things blindly. I just, I refuse it's to It's so that. bizarre. You should also use this another stinger. It took them like a year to open Disneyland. Oh my God, From right? like an orange grove. Yeah. To Disneyland, like, one year. Yikes. And this is it, the announcement uh, timeline, I think. And we started talking about this right after the D23 Expo this year when we were, like, venting. And I think they should really stop announcing things. If they told us about Moana, maybe if this was the first time we heard about it was this past weekend. And they're like, OMG, what's this? Tafiti's coming to Epcot. Starting late 2023, you're going to be able to walk through and experience this journey of water. With We'd be like, whoa, that's so cool. But it's been three years now we've been hearing the same exact Yeah. And like even taking out like, OK, COVID only kind of happened in Florida for a little bit. But I'm sure they had other issues that they had to think about and maybe put projects on hold because of Disneyland and like all the other things yeah. going on because of the pandemic that could have affected Disney World. But it's still like. For what it is, like, it's still way too long. From the announcement at D23, even, yeah, like, saying it's, like, you know, like, showing it off again, even from then to when it, like, it's a full year. Yeah, right? you're right. So, like, what is going on? That's just, like, crazy. And it seems to be this trend. I've been noticing a lot of different things that I do in my regular life. This, like, coming soon thing is getting ridiculous. And escape rooms... Coming soon can mean like years. And oh I'm like, goodness. I keep checking in on it and it's making me insane because I'm like, why would you say coming soon when it's not even like they're what? taking so, their notes from Disney with the coming soon? <laughs> I guess so. Like, just say coming soon when it's going to open in like a month or two, not like three years. Like, come on, what not. the heck is and going on? And now there's there's like build up for teaser trailers and then a teaser trailer for the trailer. Like on yeah, and you know games. how disappointing that thing is going to be when people have been waiting for it this <laughs> yeah, long? Yeah, Jeez Louise. All right, so hopefully one day we'll be able to walk through the journey of water with Moana and Tefiti. And hopefully we'll be so impressed for the three years of waiting. I doubt it. Uh, I guess. Say. I mean, they might need to build a monorail to go up her ass if it's going to impress anybody. Right? But, you know. It was something exciting. Um, Zoe Saldana. So we love her. She's in Avatar. She's in Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Now, Zoe is no longer contractually, is that the word? Contractually obligated to the MCU because she kind of finished her project with filming Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Volume 3 as Gamora. And which means she can start talking shit if she wants to. And not that she ah. is, but she did bring up some comments and she's she's trying to be really professional about it. I was reading and she was just saying that the management of Marvel Cinematic Universe acting talent needs improvement. She used words like that, which I thought was very po- political. Ooh, she must have been in HR before her acting <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, okay, girl. <laughs> so she was saying it needs improvement and... Um, in other words, what the TLDR of it is that they treat the actors sort of like children um, where they don't give them enough notice. They kind of just tell them where to step in, what to do. Um, and then because of all the secrecy, which is which is just the way it is, I guess, for Star Wars and Marvel and DC, right. the secrecy of it is they have to go read the script in these locked rooms and then they don't have it anymore. And she's like, as an actor, that is not how our craft works. And it's very challenging to memorize my wow. lines. Wow, oh, they can't minimum, like right? take it home and practice it while they're cooking yeah. or something like that. They can't do the normal and they can't, yeah, they definitely couldn't even do, imagine like a role play with your roommate or something, you couldn't do that. Um, you can't, uh, they they apparently give them fake scripts sometimes, which just makes it even worse. <laughs> so, and so Oh yeah, that seems like it would be even worse, like more confusing. You might say your fake script lines during the real yeah. shooting. Like, shoot. <laughs> Uh, so I thought that was interesting. I mean, she seems like she loved it for sure. She then goes on to talk about how much she does love working with James Cameron on the two Avatar films, now three or four coming. Um, so that was interesting. I, I love hearing her perspective about stuff. She just seems so, like, normal. Like down to you know, her. I just realized she probably has a good PR person. Maybe Disney can hire that person <laughs> right? for Christina. Whatever there you go, Christine McCarthy, future, hopefully, maybe not, CEO of Walt Disney Company. Right. Um, <laughs> Okay, so my last miscellany comment after Zoe Saldana is Dreamlight Valley. I know you haven't heard from me about Dreamlight Valley in a while. Uh, so that's the video game where you can, it's open world, one player right now, and it's a lot like Animal Crossing. Um, I had thought you stopped playing for a minute there. Right? I kind of did. I took a little bit of a break because I'm like so maxed out and I have overabundance of resources and I'm just like waiting for something new. So remember, it's still in like, early access so it's not fully fleshed out yet but everybody was waiting for this update that came i think last week so i finally did the software update and it's so cute of course it's all the christmas stuff is there so there's all these holiday things you can get and like christmas trees and outfits um and then they're adding they added a bunch of character quests so i haven't started yet but now you'll be able to i think get bell from being the beast buzz lightyear woody i think stitch and then um, all the characters who are already there have like new cool quests. Like Merlin has like some sort of uh, North Pole related quest. I wonder if he's related to Santa Claus. We might find out. So um, I'm excited. I'm going to get back into Conspiracy. it. I've started seeing a lot of our Instagram followers and listeners are now picking up the game and playing too. So shout out to you all. I hope you all are having fun. It has been a very nice escape and I'm excited to get back into it. So yeah, Dreamlight Valley. Yeah, I'm waiting for January, right? Is that when it opens yep. up? Free for everyone. It's supposed to be January. Yep. 
There you go. And it'll but have you, more of Isn't that when stuff. it also goes multiplayer? Supposedly. Or is that... I don't know if it's going to be okay. at the same time. It's a good question. I'm excited for that because I just want to play to play with you. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, me too. It'll be so much fun. I've noticed some of our friends and our listeners and our followers, shout out Coco, Binks, I saw a few others, are playing right. Uh, right. Dreamlight Valley now. <laughs> Yay. Oh my God, we can have a Disney haul. Like, meet up. It'd be so cute. It'd be so cute. Stop. In a Disney-themed place. We could look at each other's uh, valleys and see what we've put on there. Do you have, like, a house, like, on Animal Crossing that you decorate? Uh I have a house. It's pretty much exactly the same as Animal Crossing in terms of how the house functions. Like, it looks exactly the same. Okay, okay. Nice. People have been going all out. I've seen on Reddit, like, they themed different rooms to different characters and stuff. I haven't even touched the house. It's too overwhelming. Uh, that's like me when i'm animal crossing (laughs) yeah i'm waiting until i build up enough of collection of items that are similar enough for for me to want to decorate right now it's so random like you'd have a wally trash can and like people mover loco and it wouldn't make any sense if i tried to do a room right now uh but anyway sounds like my house (laughs) my current house i'm looking behind you and you have a people mover poster i think that's why i said it i don't know if there's really people mover in disney dreamlight valley yet not yet. Not yet. Uh, all right. So do you want to take our deep dive underwater? Please. Let's do it. All right. So we collected some really fun did you know facts about the underwater world of Disney and their different uh, properties. And the reason why I thought we should do this was because Way of Water is coming out this week. Avatar Way of Water. Still trying to figure out if I'm going to watch it opening weekend or not. Still not completely sold. Early reviews, though, are very good, which I'm surprised. Oh, um, okay. I did see one headline review that seems to align with what my hypothesis is, which somebody said, this is the most technically visually amazing movie I've ever seen in my entire life, and that's about it. And but and they still said it's worth four or five stars just because of that. But they're basically saying, look, the story is eh. so right. I mean, that's what I'm thinking it's going to be. I can be sold on presentation big yeah, time. Yeah, if it's something like pretty and immersive. Um, and this reviewer or critic did say, if that is what is interesting, you have to go watch it in while it's in theaters and 3D if possible. Oh so. my god. Or with How James long is Cameron, it, like three hours. We have to go to the expo with the curtains and the. He had his whole thing planned for us. No. <laughs> <laughs> what What else did we get? We got 3D glasses, but they made us return them, which was weird. Yes. It Pandora, World of Water, and then I thought we got another cleaning cloth or something, maybe. Um, oh yeah, it was for the glasses, did, right? didn't we? Yeah. So that makes yeah. it two. We got two. We got two dust cloths. lens cleaners. <laughs> Oh, dumb. Uh, what was the Tiana one supposed to be, though? Because that one was actually made for that. It was supposed but to be us holding one of the dinner napkins. Just like a napkins, flag or whatever? The dinner napkins, along with the dancers. Oh, dinner napkins. <laughs> that makes sense. But it definitely wasn't dinner napkin material. They should have made it like an actual dinner yeah, napkin. Yeah, so that you would feel like it. It was Yeah. It was a cute concept, but when we were there, none of it made any sense. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of messy. Uh, but yeah, lie. I still have the screen cleaner. I use it right here on my iMac. Um all right, so let's keep going underwater. So I went and looked back all the way over to the Disney Renaissance. And let's start with the Little Mermaid. She's one of our favorite underwater Disney characters. And so mm-hmm. I learned that Little Mermaid was the first time in quite a long time since the 1950s 
that Disney Animation used a real person as a model and referred to them uh, both in facial likeness and then for movement, they had body models come in and do that. And they drew the animation based on that. And they hadn't done that since Sleeping Beauty and Alice in Wonderland. Uh, and hearing that, that makes me think, well, that's probably why these movies were so good also. They like went back to the Walt basics, Walt Disney basics, you know. Back to the roots. Back to the roots. Uh, Ariel, her face was supposed to be modeled after Alyssa Milano, which I loved her on Who's the Boss? I used to watch it all the time. <laughs> uh, and she's also on Charmed. But yeah, when she was young, they used her as Ariel's likeness. So if you look at it, you'll start to see it. We've talked about it before, other things they've done, like Aladdin slash Tom Cruise. I find that very interesting. Um, and then they also had a comedian named Sherry Stoner, and she's a groundlings comedian. So those are those improv folks. They had this person come in to do the physical movements and personality of Ariel, and they modeled her movements after that. And here's the coolest little fun fact, is that you know how Ariel blows her bangs out of her eyes a few times? It's like one of like her Like when things. she pouts? Yeah. This was an improv yeah. from this actor. She did that on her own. That's cute. To go with the character, and they drew it in, and it became Ariel. So like that is so cool. Like These real body double actors really end up getting blended in to these famous, famous big characters. and uh, But yeah, so That's that funny. was I didn't her. know that they hadn't used anybody in between all that time. Yeah. But were there Disney princesses in between that time? Not many. I think all of those Not factors. Many, huh? cause we, it, it went it really was, into um, animals. Black Cauldron. Oh, yeah. Rescuers. Fox and the Hound. Yep. Aristocrat. Yeah, that's cats, weird. All that stuff. Robin Hood. All that stuff. Like, <laughs> but it's super very, weird. Very weird. Jungle Book. Jungle Book. Mowgli could have been a real person. Running around. I feel like I've heard a lore, some lore or legend that in Jungle Book they used animals, but I think that's Lion King now that I'm thinking about it. I feel like Lion King might have used real animals, but that was in the Renaissance. Ah. So there you go. Um, and then they also <laughs> had this actress, comedian, Sherry Stoner, swim in swimming pools so that they could study how her hair moved before they animated Ariel's hair. So this is why... We are so in love with The Little Mermaid because we felt like we were underwater as kids. They really did what what, what they could do with Looks what they real, had yep. at the time. Um, all right. So back in the early 2000s, we might remember an underwater Disney animated film called Atlantis. I think that's one that you haven't seen yet, right? Have not. So we may have to do a rewatch and review one day. I haven't seen it in very long. I saw it in theaters when it came out. Uh, but it did have a disappointing box office, so it didn't do very well. And allegedly, or apparently, it was supposed to be a series, a trilogy, and they obviously stopped at the first one. Uh, but the first one ends in a way where I didn't think it was being set up as a franchise, so I think it's fine. Uh, but it is a bummer, so it didn't do well at box office. There were no princesses. There was no musical involved, um, which personally I, I like when there's musicals, and this was not one of them. There was a direct-to-video sequel called Atlantis Milo's Return. I have not seen that. Um, but that was using leftover stories from what was going to be in that bigger sort the of The deleted scenes. Franchise. I didn't even know they had a second, like a sequel. Yeah, I didn't realize it either. Whoops. I think Milo is very cute, though. He's like that understated, like, nerdy hero. Um, right. So we like Milo. And uh, Atlantis is not i'm trying to think i don't think i see any presence of atlantis in any of the parks like not even the parades or anything oops 
You can see the characters out every so often, especially like Sweetheart's Night. They'll have, what's her name? The, with the white hair. What is it? Kida. She kind of has like that Christina Aguilera platinum white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually would love to see her in person. That's cool. She's a really cool design. Uh, also, I just realized that Sweetheart Night tickets just went on sale and I completely forgot about it. So I probably missed that train. Whoops. Sweetheart Choo Night. Choo choo. Bye. Uh, and Princess Night, right? Is that a new After Dark? Princess Night. I, I don't know if we've had that before or not. I don't know if I care sure. for it, but I read the description and I, it was a little bit more interesting than I thought. Like they really focused on heroism and um, like women empowerment versus just princess. Yeah. I know it sounded like, why are we doing this backwards? <laughs> yeah. But it, it sounds like it's, yeah, they're trying to go in the right direction with it too, which is good. Yeah. So um, yeah, those two things went on sale. Disneyland, if you're out there, lucky. Um, okay. Goongans. These are more underwater uh, Disney adjacent. This is in the Star Wars universe. Uh, there is a land or a planet called Naboo. Now, do you remember the first time you visited Naboo? Naboo was probably in theaters, right? During Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. I, do. I actually thought it was pretty cool at the time. The whole underwater city. I did too. Yeah. I did too. And you got to and see I actually like, still like that scene in Star Tours when you go to Naboo. Because yeah. I like the... The way that the, the uh, what is it called? Your star speeder is landing. It feels so real, like you're on the water hitting the, like, the berms or whatever it's called. Like, ugh, it's so cool. That is so cool. And I like the, um, we got to see underwater Star Wars uh, vehicles probably for the first time in that movie. And the way some mm-hmm. of them were, like, amphibious looking, like the way the, right. the, the fins moved on these submarines and stuff. Very cool. And then we got to meet the Gungans. So that's the sentient amphibious species in which our beloved Jar Jar Binks comes from. So Jar Jar Binks is a Gungan and they live underwater. So that's another underwater uh, fun world for us to explore. I found out that they do not need water to live. So that term amphibious is very important. I learned that the Gungans can live above water three... 365 if they wanted to. They just prefer to be mixed elements and have water and air so they could breathe perfectly fine outside of water. Um, I also learned that Moncala is the name of the sea in which they originated from. And the funnest, cutest fun fact of all is baby Gungans are tadpoles. When they're born, they look like little tadpoles, little Jar Jar Binks tadpoles. <laughs> it's kind of scary, but also cute. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't develop their infant limbs until months after being hatched. So there we go. Those are the Gungans. All right. Maybe one day we'll spot them. Um, at Ga- no, they can't be at Galaxy's Edge. There's not even any, I don't think, water features there. No, oh, unless that- um, What's-His-Face gives us a new mission for once on Millennium Falcon. That would be cool. Maybe on those Magic Band Plus. Right. Uh, okay, so let's talk about, oh, Avatar Way of Water. So, of course, uh, we want to talk about this underwater movie, which is coming out soon. And what I'm hearing is that the underwater scenes, I mentioned earlier that visually this this movie is supposed to be incredible. Now, the underwater scenes are supposed to be equally incredible, regardless of just the advancement of technology, but mostly of the way James Cameron went about filming it. So I learned that they made these 
uh, scenes traditionally. So they filmed, you know, Sigourney Weaver and they filmed um, Zoe Saldana underwater doing the motion capture and then put the digital on top of it. Whereas most most underwater movies, I would assume, they do it all through green screen. So the actors never, ever touch the water. And right. we're starting to see this now where people are really filming it underwater, especially obviously you need the budget for that. But it's just so crazy. So Kate Winslet is in The Way of Water. She voices one of the Navi. And we all know her from James Cameron's Titanic, which is cool they yes. reunited. <laughs> So throughout the filming and production of Avatar 2, she has now been able to learn how to hold her breath underwater for seven minutes. Seven Seven minutes? minutes? <laughs> I think I start freaking out after like 15 seconds. Same. Same. I couldn't even imagine. What? And it's not just holding That's your breath. Intense. It's like underwater. So you still have to go up and gasp for air. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so they had to do this uh, as part of their training. You know, James Cameron, technically perfect. He wants it to be perfect, and I guess it pays yeah. off if you do it right. So they could add that to their resume now. So she could hold her breath wow. in the water for that long. Um, Seven and then, minutes. That's like a – you can run an errand in that time. <laughs> it's so long. It's that's so insane. long. Like, that's more than a couple of songs even, maybe two. Good for her, mm-hmm. though. You know, I would see – I would think, like, most actresses, especially – of our generation, right? She was like another uh, one that's like one of those ones where like, oh, hey, there she is again. <laughs> yep. Um, I would seem that they would be like, I'm not doing that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, They're I don't like, need to do that. Just computer generator. So, um, and then I went down this rabbit hole of underwater breath holders, which brought me to <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things. It brought me to the fact that um, may, her name is... Mabel, I think Mabel, Mabel Cadena. I don't want to pronounce it wrong. Uh, Jerry always correct, corrects me in the Spanish pronunciation. Um, so she's a Mexican actress. She played Namora in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. She was the, the woman leader that was there with um, with Sub, Submariner, Submariner. And uh, the, or Namor, duh, because her name is Namora. I know, I was like, Namor, you mean? It's <laughs> <laughs> obvious. Whoops. Submariner. So she learned how to hold her breath. For six and a half minutes for that movie. What? So, Ooh, she's giving Kate Winslet right? run for her money. <laughs> so here we have these these employees doing this. And what's really cool too was learning that it turns out that Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther, also decided to really film this stuff underwater, which was also why that probably looked so pretty cool. Oh they, wow! They okay. Were like on the throne and stuff underwater, like that. Those scenes were pretty awesome. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of scuba diving, underwater filming, this stuff is very fascinating, and I found it interesting. I could. So I just looked it up that. right now. Guinness Book of World Records. Did you look this up? I haven't. I haven't. The longest time breath had voluntarily <laughs> been held underwater. Wait, what does that mean? It's so sad. Tor- torture. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's all I'm thinking about. Someone shoving someone's head under the water. White lotus. You want to guess how long? <laughs> and then they survived. Uh, my guess is if this seven-minute Kate Winslet thing is just being touted around like anything, I'm going to say, what, 20 minutes? 24 minutes and 37 seconds. How do you not die? I don't know. <laughs> that like, that's pretty... enough time. I, my commute is shorter than that. Like, what? Imagine holding your breath the whole time. Like, just try it tomorrow. Just, like, not breathe. For your whole community. No, I literally can't. For even that's crazy. I don't. Now I need to test and see how long I can hold my breath for. 
I definitely, especially after COVID, like my, it's already bad. My capacity. Oh my is God. Tell worse. me about it. Especially right now. <laughs> tell every, or everyone on here, our followers and our listeners, if you guys can just do a stopwatch on your phone and see how long you can hold your breath for and, and message us on Instagram and tell us, cause now we need to see what everyone right. can do. <laughs> I'd like to know what the average Disney Holic followers breath holding yes. capacity is. Let's get it. Let's get a world record right. here. And then we'll film a little underwater um, special celebration. No, we won't. So <laughs> I have one more underwater fun fact for us before we move into the full-on history of Submarine Voyage, according to Mike TV. Oh, okay. So All this right. is a little bit related. So Finding Nemo. So that was one of Pixar's huge technical milestones. They had technology called RenderMan and all the software that they needed to create proprietary from scratch just to get the water animated the way they wanted it to look. And then on top of that, they had to figure out how to animate the fish so that they still looked a bit cartoony like they wanted it to, while everything else looked so photorealistic. And so there's a quote from... Uh, John Lasseter, which is like, he says, hey, technically we've pushed things beyond anything Pixar has done before. Animating fish was difficult, but our technical team has created an underwater environment that is graceful and beautiful. The real underwater world is so spectacular that it's already a fantasy world. Our challenge was to let the audience know that our ocean is caricatured. So our goal was always to make things look believable, but not realistic. So stylizing the design of things, we added more geometry, pushed some of the colors, and we were able to create a natural, incredible world for our characters. I thought wow. that was cool. And that was another one. I remember being in awe of the water, just seeing the water. I do. And right? like all the sea urchins and stuff, like how they move. Yeah. I remember that was like fascinating. It's so pretty. Like this is all cu coming out of someone's mind and then put into a machine. It's still baffling. Right? Me. It baffles. Me. Um, and then the music adding on top of the beauty of these visuals with that, the egg song that you always hear every now and then that you like. To oh hear. my gosh! It's so like, wow! It's just so beautiful. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, Can so I throw in something that's not water oh, yeah. related? Okay. But I just I found out. So my friend Christy, shout out, hi Christy. Hey, hey. She had me watch Pinocchio with her at the same time. We weren't even together. We just like hit play at the same time. Um, I only got through a little bit of it before I had to new go. New one but or the original? The new one. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Yes, Guillermo del Toro's. Oh, that new one. Pinocchio. Oh my god, so confusing. I know, right? <laughs> with the one with Tom Hanks and the Disney reboot you watched. Wait, is the Guillermo del Toro not the Disney one? No, Guillermo del Toro is his own adaptation. Oh my god, no wonder. <laughs> and it's supposed to be the good one. Like it's supposed to be the one everyone's saying is so good. Okay. Ignore and me. Dark. She told me that that was built because I was like, I'm so thrown off. Why does Figaro look so bad? Like, why don't they just use a real cat for Figaro? Because <laughs> it's not, it's just like a real cat, right? They don't need to make a CGI cat for that. And then she's like, but it's all stop motion. And I'm like, that's not stop. None of this is stop motion. What are you talking about? Oh, so you were watching the Disney one and she was, I was watching, watching the Disney yeah. Plus. I'm going to laugh. That so makes hard. sense. Now I get it. I forgot that two came out right. like back to back, Very basically, confusing. right? There they go again with the confusing us. Yeah, the okay, Guillermo scratch one that. sounds more up uh, Christie's brand. It sounds, <laughs> that sounds more. That's yeah, why I was yeah. like, oh, okay. It looks really cool and it is a public property. So he was able to do his own adaptation of the story. It's I just to be had to like stop it. And she told me that, and I haven't gone back to it yet. And I was so mind blown. I'm like, 
how is what I was watching not CGI? They must have done stop motion and CGI over the top of the stop motion. It was what very a Twilight confusing. Zone moment for you oh, to God. think that the Tom Hanks was like some weird stop motion hybrid thing. Oh my God. I thought, and I knew he was real, but I was like, I thought everything else is, oh my God, mind blown right now. Thank you for clearing that up for me. It's very and she confusing. even asked me, she goes, are you watching the right one? And I thought there was only one new one. So I thought she meant like, are you not, are you watching the original Disney one? Oh, and it's happening again. Too many Pinocchios. I think next year or within the next few years, there's going to be like several Peter Pans. One from Disney. Oh, and no. One from, which happened like There's always years a ago. slew of those at it. Like yeah. they come in waves. <laughs> always. Like one will be like a girl Peter Pan. One will be a little boy. One might be like a diverse version of it. It's like, how many Peter Pans do we need? And then one's like, Please. Wendy. We're like, okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, goodness. Okay. So there are some fun facts for y'all. And now we're going to go into the deeper depths of the Tomorrowland Lagoon with History of Submarine Voyage, according to yours truly, Mike TV. So do you want to explain to listeners how to play along? Yes. So if you guys have never listened to our show before, we do a segment called According to Mike TV because Mike likes to prank people and (laughs) make shit up. So he's going to... Give us some history, which is going to be real about the submarine voyage, but we have to catch him in his fibs as he goes along. So please scream out in the privacy of your own home or wherever you're at. Just yell fib out loud anytime you think Mike is pulling our legs on some of this information. So play along with me. I'm going to be yelling it out as well. And And he often gets away with a lot. He'll pick these topics that uh, are very weird ones in the first place. They are. That have I enough always... things that I think he's falsifying everything, and it turns out it's just true. So, I <laughs> see how this end goes. Up finding so many weird facts for us to talk about, and then I'm like, oh shoot, yes. now I have to add embellishment to already weird stuff. Um, I love that. I love that though. Here we go. So let's jump into it. So we're talking about Disneyland here. Back in June 14th, 1959. The submarine voyage officially opened Tomorrowland Lagoon as one of the first rides at Disneyland to require an e-ticket, which I always find fascinating. I was like, what do you consider Wait, that? when did it open? June 14th, 1959. Oh, I thought you said 55. I was like, no, that's already a fib. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay go four, ahead. Four years later, four years later. Uh, wait, when's your birthday? <laughs> June 12th. Oh, two days from that. I should have changed it to that. That would have been a fun fib for you to figure out. I think a later, the the Nemo version opened on either my birthday or the day before. But I'm sure we'll get there at some point. Cute. Um, So this was a big expansion of Tomorrowland, which included the Matterhorn Bobsleds roller coaster, an expanded version of Autopia, the Disneyland monorail was added, and the motorboat cruise. So a lot of stuff came with the completion of not just the lagoon and the submarine, but all those all those things, which we've recently talked about tearing all down several times. <laughs> now yeah, that I think about it. it. <laughs> like that whole thing came at once. I mean, we could keep Matterhorn, I guess. Yeah, we had to keep Matterhorn. Yeah, um, keep Matterhorn in the monorail. The rest can go. Bye. Bye. Maybe some new tracks for the monorail. I wouldn't mind so I could enjoy it. Yeah, I would I like know. if it goes, yeah, actually, like more around, it only really goes around Tomorrowland, right? So like you don't really see too much else. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so the submarine voyage did close in 1998. 
in September, and it was reported that it was going to open as soon as, it's funny, it says as soon as 2003. Okay, so already back then, they were telling us a five-year time frame. What? That's so, so yeah. long again, yeah. It closed in 98 and was going to reopen with a new undetermined theme in 2003. Uh, in reality, it did not reopen until 2007, nine years later, um, theme to Pixar's Finding Nemo. And now the attraction's called Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage. So let's go back and still learn about the original attraction, though. So the lagoon itself houses 9 million gallons of water. It is so hard to maintain that they have to have divers, professionally trained scuba divers, go in, go in the lagoon underwater every night to clean up debris and maintain any of the audio animatronics whenever they're broken down. And that's still the same to this day. Uh, now let's talk about the original ride again, particularly the queue and the music, because I thought this was pretty cute. So again, reminder, we are talking about the original Submarine Voyage ride that was opened through 1998. There were three different tunes that would uh, go in. Actually, there was more, but I pulled three that were fun. Different music and spiels that would be played while you're in the queue waiting for your turn to board the submarine. One was called the Sailor's Hornpipe. And this is known from Popeye. Uh, but it's this hornpipe. And we all know it. It's like a sailor song. And the funny and creepy part is the same guy who composed this, or not composed it, but performed this, was on the same album called Tubular Bells. His name is Mike Oldfield. And oh, okay. Tubular Bells. Do you know what that is? I do. What is it? I don't know, but I know. Oh, oh. So Tubular Bells, to me and my sister, shout out to my sister, who I don't think she listens, Tubular Bells is the name of the track that the Exorcist theme song plays. And it's oh, that's so why freaking I know scary. it. Yeah. Yep. And they would play it at night. I was having too. this weird thing where I was like, isn't this something bad? Yeah, it is. And I couldn't, it like felt wrong, but that's actually not bad. It's just scary. There used to be these commercials late at night for Pure Moods. It was like a CD set or something. Um, actually, I found it. Listen. Imagine a world where time drifts slowly. <laughs> a world where music carries you away. Experience Pure Moods, the perfect soundtrack for your way of life. Direct from Europe. This multi-platinum collection has won the hearts of millions. Set adrift with the timeless pleasures of tubular bells. Or take a trip into the unknown with the X-Files theme. No other collection gives you the feeling of pure moods. To order pure moods, call the number on your screen or send check or money order for the amount shown, plus shipping and handling. Rush delivery available. Call now. In the middle of the night by yourself. Anyway, so they used to play a song that was on the same album as the Exorcist theme. So that is just a weird, bizarre connection. There was also another weird. song that they played, which came from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the Disney movie. It's called A Whale of a Tale. And then they also played Under the Boardwalk by the Drifters. And I think that's cute. I feel like eh, I'd like to go into that queue and jam out with these underwater musical. Now, it feels very DCA. Like, I think they do play that song over on the boardwalk, like of uh, Pixar Pier. Or at least they did oh, when it was. They used to, yep. 
yeah. all of those songs, right? Like, Beach Boys and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Darn, I did like that part about the pier, the Californianness of it. It was very cute, yeah. Boo. Uh, all right. So how did they build these freaking submarines? So it turns out that the advisor to the construction of these submarines were an organization called General Dynamics Electric Boat Division. They are the same company who built the U.S. Navy's nuclear-powered submarines. And they're also the first company in the world to ever manufacture submarines on a large scale. So I thought that was cool that Disney went to a real submarine place yeah. instead of just building their I own. I did not know that. That's really cool. Very cool. Oh, wait. It's a fibbing. Hold on. <laughs> wait, they didn't play tubular bells. I'm calling a fib on that one. Shoot. <laughs> Clue back in, Jen. This is according to Mike TV. Okay, I forgot my own rules. <laughs> I told everybody else how to play, and then I just threw it out the window. Okay, we could pause here. We could pause here. Are there anything so far that you wanted to question? Just the tubular bells. Tubular bells is real. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's one of those ones um, where I was like, I couldn't even have made this up. Like, this is so bizarre. And then the the submarines hitting wrong for some reason, but I can also see them doing that. They do that for everything else. Like they go to Africa to study Africa for the Africa section of Animal Kingdom, but it's not actually Africa, right? Okay, the Imagineers so, love their extensive research. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just let it go. I don't I can't think of anything else right now. I'm sure you've gotten away with like five already. <laughs> Carry right. on. We'll keep on carrying on. We'll keep on diving. Okay. So the submarines themselves, um, I think they were, I actually don't have the fact on this. I think they are gray or something. But what I learned was that they were painted over pretty shortly after they were opened with the yellow that we see a lot in these older photos, mustard yellow with orange and black trim. And it remained this design until 1998. Yeah. So that was the colors we grew up with it. Um, the yellow color made the submarines look like research submarines instead of aggressive-looking military submarines. Oh, that's a good idea. Totally yeah. makes sense. <laughs> um, and it says, I also learned that the reason research subs are painted yellow in the first place is that they are one of the last colors on the color spectrum that you can still see at the greatest depths of the ocean. You can see the yellow. There is some edutainment there from the submarine voyage attraction. Now, there were, let's see if I could count them here, about eight submarines that I have listed. Eight. And in the modern era that we grew up with them through 1998, they had the same names for that whole time. Uh, they had different names like in the early 50s when it opened, but we know eight names. Do you think you could guess any eight of these submarine names? So similar to like Jungle Cruise and other attractions, each vehicle had a name. Um, and these are definitely very related to, I suppose... Ocean, nautical ocean, and then mythology, stuff like that? Yeah, I will try a couple. Let's see. Is there one that's just called Nautilus? Yep, there is a Nautilus. It's uh, okay. submarine 301, I believe it's called. All right, so Nautilus. And then is there one called, um, oh my God, who's the author? Is there one called the Kraken? There is not. Oh, that's a good one. I feel like I saw that, though, in the original name list from the 50s. But no, there's oh, no I love it. Yet. See, they should. And then how about Jules Verne? He is not in here, unfortunately. Oh. And then, oh, Captain Nemo. No. Nope. Captain Nemo was from 20,000 Leagues, right? You'd think. Yeah, there isn't. Like, Nautilus, I guess, covers that. They didn't give him one. Yeah. Just the ship. The but song. the whole attraction was called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea or whatever, right? So, 
Right? No. Summary Voyage? No. Only Disney World. I'll talk about that in a second. Only oh. Disney World. Now I'm getting everything mixed up. Okay. And I have no other ideas. I don't know any other divers or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. This one, I don't think I'd be able to do good guessing anyway. Uh, so let's reveal the rest. So we've got Nautilus. There's also Neptune. There's Sea Star. Oh, okay. Explorer. Okay, a little generic there. Seeker. Yeah. <laughs> Argonaut. So that's probably the closest. Jason and the Argonaut is like, you were saying like the Kraken and all that. I think that that's part of that mythology. Right. Uh, Triton. And I believe this was before Little Mermaid came out. So they were Poseidon. No. Isn't that weird? Only Triton. They don't have <laughs> Poseidon or... I think Neptune is one of them, right? Alternate god. Yeah, you said god. Neptune earlier. Uh, but yeah, no Poseidon. And the last one is Seawolf. Which oh. It sounds familiar, but I don't know. It sounds very military, though. It feels very uh, Star Fox to me. Star Fox. For some reason. <laughs> and 64. Um, yeah, so those were the submarines they had. If anybody guessed some of those correct when you were shouting it out, l- good for you. I was going to say lucky, but no, good for you for remembering that. That's very obscure. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit more about what was on the ride. So there was a diving effect that happened on this ride, and we all probably remember it in our nostalgic minds, and it's still there, I guess, with Finding Nemo. It's just not, it doesn't hit the same. But the diving effect, you go down, and it's a curtain of bubbles that are rushing toward the surface, and they push it at a slight angle so that it feels like it's moving forward and down, which I thought was cool. I never put that together. So you're not just going down, but you're like traveling fast forward and going down. And you go through a bunch of different uh, show scenes or areas. And so we're going to go through that together. So the first one is called The Graveyard of Lost Ships. And this is when you go through, after you do like just the lagoon, the pretty part, and you start to move down, suddenly the captain says, oh, there's a surface storm ahead. We have to go deeper. And you go down, you you pass through the beginnings of a hurricane, and then you start seeing this underwater wreckage of ships that have not survived. And there's barnacles on some of them. And they have a lot of ships, everything from Greek, Roman, and then there's Viking ships. And they also had sharks that guard a treasure chest in an Italian-Venetian-themed galley. Um, and then there's also, I, I guess there are animatronics of deep-sea divers working to carry some treasures from the dive wreck site up to the surface. So that was the, one of the first things. I honestly oh don't God, I remember much of this. That you're just lying through your teeth and I can't peel, I can't pick any of it out. <laughs> um, I hope listeners are doing a better job than me. Um, wow. I, I, will I, say I, I have don't no idea so far. I'm agreeing with everything you're saying at this point. <laughs> okay. All right. So then after that, um, you would travel to, this part I definitely don't remember, <clears throat> the North Pole. I guess, underwater. Oh, God. So the sonar detects polar ice cap ahead. Ding, ding. And the diving officer takes the ship even deeper, clears some ice, and then we allegedly travel beneath the North Pole. And this is supposed to be a recreation of a real voyage of the USS Nautilus that left Hawaii in 1958 and set it set its course toward the North Pole. So this seems very, like, Walty. Like, he's like, oh, let's... Give it homage. I'm going to call fib on that one. And then, <laughs> I'll continue. And then in 1980, <laughs> for one year only, they added Santa's village, underwater village. Oh, yeah. Fib. <laughs> to the All ride. Day. And you could see the village underwater, but it was removed in 1981. All right. I finally got him. I finally got ah. him. <laughs> All that was fib. And the only reason I know is because there's no way. 
I mean, well, back then we just talked about how quickly they were to turn things around, but you said 58 and it opened in 59. That's All right. kind of tight so for here history we go. lesson. This one was a little bit tricky. So you called a fib out just before I talked about Santa's village and the only fib here was the Santa's village. Everything else was true. Stop. Yeah. Really? Yep. <laughs> I don't remember okay, any so of that Okay, so you part. just started doing the like reporting, like the alert, alert, North Pole. I'm like, oh, wait, that sounds familiar too. <laughs> Shoot. I'm like, or am I just thinking it might be Antarctica and he's just fibbing that it's the North Pole. Man, okay. Yeah, that one is all true except for Santa's Village. Uh, yeah, you really do travel to the polar ice caps, North Pole, and it really is a homage to that real-life mission, which I didn't Wow, know okay, okay. Um, all right, next up, we're now at the bottom of the sea. We do not see SpongeBob SquarePants because that's Nickelodeon, Universal. But we're at the bottom of the sea, and this <laughs> happens after passing through that polar region. And we are told that sunlight has never penetrated this area. And this is where we're going to see strange creatures. And this is the point where we see the giant squid and creatures. And some of them are changing color. So it's like this cool underwater or deep depth underwater scene. Um, after that, we see the fantasy of mermaids, which I wish we... They don't have that at all, right? Now with Nemo? Not anymore, no. That's pretty cool. So they had mermaids, um, and you would see them here. The captain doesn't believe his eyes, and he actually asked <laughs> for the air pressure to be checked over the spiel. We find out it's Aww. in working condition, and the mermaids are not a hallucination, as the captain originally thought. But then he still dismisses it, asking us if it's even possible. And then we move on to the next scene. There was something that was removed from the scene in 1962. Do you know what that is? Move from the mermaid scene? Yes. <gasps> They're seashells. Or actually put back. Okay, yeah. So the topless mermaid was removed in 1962. So there was a topless what mermaid. What topless mermaid? So I guess they added shells versus removing No. Them. No. <laughs> they weren't even allowed to have, like, Polynesian dancers and hula dancers. Because... Do you, do you remember that that suit I showed you that Mowgli had to wear because they didn't want to oh, show any skin? The flesh, the flesh suit. The flesh skin, which There's is no really way they weird had a because topless mermaid. Every now and then Tarzan is out like almost completely Chippendale's stripper naked, and I'm like uncomfortable right. but turned on, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is weird. <laughs> uh, so it's weird when they change their minds. Um, but yes, there was no topless mermaid. You did get that one. Uh, the rest of the scene is is played out as is, but there was never a topless mermaid, unfortunately. Um, all right, so then we we cruise by the mermaids and we end up at the lost continent of Atlantis. Now, this is not the Disney film. This is just the mytho mythological Atlantis that we, we all know. And the submarine goes down there and the captain tells the passengers that they believe that this is the lost continent of Atlantis. There's some volcano action happening there, but then we do travel safely between some of the broken columns of the Atlantic Atlantic Palace. Atlantean Palace. Um, and then comes up to my favorite part as a kid, probably the only part I remember as a kid, is the sea serpent, the silly sea serpent. Aww, so summary, yes. we escape the volcanic disturbance just before it gets too crazy. And then we see the end of the sea serpent and we travel all the way past it, the whole length of it and we see its face. The captain calls the crew to man their battle stations and stand by for action. 
but then becomes convinced that this cross-eyed sea serpent is safe and friendly and cute. Aw. Little sea serpent. He is very cute. Very cute. And then we return to the surface where they do a reverse version of the bubble effects. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I got some salt water in my throat. As we reach the surface, uh, <laughs> we hear all the spiels about preparing the journey, the nautical journey to the surface. And we get the all ashore to depart the submarine. So that's what a typical ride through is like on the original attraction that was there prior to Finding Nemo. Do you remember some of that? You said like some of that was triggering some memories? I remember a lot of it. Um, I feel like I went on a lot of these Tomorrowland attractions when I was young, like Tomorrowland branching on to Fantasyland. Like my brother really likes sci-fi stuff and him being so much older than me i think i spent a lot of time over there like oh. adventure through inner space i have core memories of even though i was only like five when it closed uh submarine voyage i think i just went on those attractions a lot when i was little oh that's um funny. i definitely remember the sea serpent and i remember the uh wait i don't, I don't remember the octopus that was a weird one i always mix it up with the goonies legend of oh, the giant squid not an octopus squid uh -huh. sorry yes the squid Oh, wait, are you talking about the infamous, like, deleted scene that finally came out yeah, when we got yeah. older in the Goonies? of the? I always, like, try to remember if that was real in the submarine attraction or not because of that <laughs> deleted scene. Like, yeah, I always so mix those For up. a while, that Goonies scene was just, like, a myth. And then it finally right, became right. true. Oh, and I love it. It's such a fun one. Who owns the Goonies? Um, that would yeah, be a fun I do remember it. Thing. I remember the soundtrack more than anything, though, because I've listened to it a lot. Oh, and like, like the, over the years, the guy talking, the narrator, narrator yeah, going under and going under and going under. Uh, okay, yeah. So shout out to that ride. I don't remember much of it. I don't love the Nemo version, but mainly my issue with the ride is just I get claustrophobic. I I think it's cool. The technology is cool, but it's a little tight for me. It is, and yeah, a little too tight. I mean. Yeah, I just never would go on it for some reason. It's pretty cool, though. Like, I remember when it first opened, the new one, it was like, oh, this is really neat. Like, the the underwater volcano and all that kind of stuff like that. It was so cool. And then it just faded real quick in interest for yeah. most people. I don't know anybody who wants to go on that ride when we're there. And I'm just as entertained, and it feels the same to me, when we ride Seas with Nemo at Epcot. Like, oh, right. I get the same experience without feeling claustrophobic. And I get the point. Like, it's the same thing. <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. It's like the cool technology, visual things underwater with the real fish and a little bit of the story of Finding Nemo, and then you're done. Um, that's so cool. So I'm like, okay, that's cute. I'll do that one instead. So where yeah. else? Aside from the Nemo uh, brand taking over Disneyland and aside from Seas, the Seas with Nemo and Friends at Epcot, I thought we should talk about some of the other successors of the submarine voyage attraction around the world after Disneyland. Sure. So the one that you had mentioned earlier is the Jules Verne themed 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea colon submarine voyage. So they were doing some long names back in those days also. Yes. <laughs> and this was Magic Kingdom. And yes, it was tied to that IP. Um, it was given a full on Nautilus theme, including the submarines itself. Um, and there was a narrator named Peter Renaday, whose voice was very similar to the actor of James Mason, who played Captain Nemo. So the idea was you were hearing from Captain Nemo from the 1954 movie, and he was the one uh, manning the submarines. The attraction you know who was else closed. Pete Renaday is? Oh, I don't. What is it? 
Who is he? He, first of all, he's Henry from Country Bears. Oh. And he's the original ghost host because he was the ghost host on the record that came out before the attraction. He's the one that we had at our, our event that we did at Winchester and, and whatnot. Wow. The, the ghost host now cool. is Paul, Paul Fries? No, that's wrong. Paul Fries. Oh, Paul Fries. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, look at him, Peter Renaday, providing the voice for some <laughs> classic attractions here. Um, the Magic Kingdom version of Submarine Voyage closed in 1994 for undefin... Un- I can never say that word. Indefinite? An indefinite rehabilitation <laughs> period, which we've seen some of these before. We've even seen it with our own Submarine Voyage. We talked about earlier. They said it was going to open in 2003. It never did. Uh, so this one never reopened, which is so sad. So if anybody was not able to make it in 1994 when it closed, it's gone for good, never came back. <laughs> At one point, the whole lagoon there in Magic Kingdom was uh, cleared of all ride elements, and they drained it, and they put some landfill into it and turned it into a Winnie the Pooh play area, playground with, like, soft furniture. And then in 2010, that entire thing got paved over as well, and then that made way for the new Fantasyland, which is where Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Belle, Storytime, all of those fun things. Do you things. know about the Easter egg? Were you going to talk about the Easter egg in oh, Winnie the Pooh? I do not. This was it for Magic Kingdom. Tell us about the uh, Easter egg. So this was cute. We found this in 2007 when Danielle and I visited. Um, it's like the tributes, right? When they do tributes to old attractions and then when a new attraction takes over the space. So basically, like you said, they filled it with landfill or um, whatever. And then they put a bunch of tan bark and made it into a Winnie the Pooh playground area. And there was a like a bunch of those houses. It almost felt like Toontown where you could go in these different houses and play around in oh. them. And in one of them, you could walk inside, and it looked like the framing of the door was made out of wood, but it was that soft stuff, just like Toontown has to. Yeah. And carved into the door frame was a Nautilus. Wow. Oh. So cute. I wonder if there's anything in New Fantasyland. Yeah, I don't know. Right? I don't we know. We should find out. That's kind of cool. I, I never got to experience the um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea because my first... Disney World trip was like 2005 or something. I do vaguely remember the the Pooh's playful spot. I think because we like walked by it, it was like one of those things you just go, okay, it's for kids. And then you don't really. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason we were there was to find that tribute. <laughs> that is so cute though. I, I hope there is. I hope we find out that there's something. Um, yeah. So that's Magic Kingdom and their version of Submarine Voyage. Then we go over to Tokyo Disney Sea and they have a similar attraction um, and it also is a Nautilus-themed ride. It uses boats that are no longer in water, and they're not submarines. They're like these round boat things. And I actually did experience this attraction with Jerry when we were in Disney Sea. And I remember thinking, this is so freaking cool. Why didn't they <laughs> replace this stuff? At, why didn't they put this at Disney? Because you could actually right. do this anywhere. What it is is this regular show building and the technology exists on the vehicle. So the vehicle itself is wrapped with water features so that the windows you're looking out of makes it look like you're underwater. And any of the set pieces are just floating, you know, they're just like Little Mermaid, Dark Ride. And, but it looks like you're underwater because you're looking through the water, which to me seems a lot less complicated than what they originally tried. Yeah. I, I love the sounds... idea of a real water, but this is, right. seems more main, maintainable, maintainable. 
seems easier to maintain. Seems, so um, it was a very cool Yeah, it ride. seems like it's something they should do all the time, but. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. And I feel like they could still reuse that to make any other underwater type of dark ride. If there's a movie they want to adapt, that's not necessarily submarine. Uh, but anyways, the other thing that I really liked about this, and I remember very distinctly, is there's a, sort of a light that you have control of. So not only are you in these cool underwater vehicles, but you control what you want to see in this air quote underwater environment, which makes it even scarier because some things are like pretty and you start moving the light and you're like, oh my God, what is that? Like it's a tail of something what? creepy. And then it's like this tentacle. Oh yeah. Like your video games. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. And it's all around you. So you could look out at any window behind you. It sounds like an Oculus. Yes. Right? When it's you're very, like turning and you like don't uh, want to look. <laughs> totally like that. Um, so I thought that was a fun ride. You know, my version of it, I'm, it's starting to get foggy. I should probably... Check it out on YouTube. I don't know how long it's going to be till we make it there. But yeah, that's at Disney Sea, And then we head over to Hong Kong. So another one of the Asian parks. They have what's called the Submarine Mystery Voyage. That's also very Asian park out of the bag. Like something about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mystery. It's <laughs> mystery all mystery tour. over there. Um, and this uses the Star Tours ride tech. So it's nothing like. It's completely now far removed from the Oh, how weird. And it's an underwater submarine ride in a Star Wars vehicle. So uh, like Star Tours with the moving motion simulator screen. Like body body wars. Like body wars, totally. So that's what Hong Kong Disney has. And then there was a walkthrough of the Nautilus sets from the actual film, 1954 film, at Disneyland. So now we're going way back to the past again. And it turns out... They did bring the sets from the movies, which this might be sort of why we keep thinking they had something like that at Disneyland. Uh, They were destroyed in 1966, so they were up for almost a decade, and it was a walkthrough attraction of the Nautilus from the movies, completely separate from the submarine ride, uh, but still submarine-related, so here it is. And then they ended up building a version of that walkthrough attraction in Disneyland Paris, in their Discoveryland, which is like their Tomorrowland. And uh, it's a fr- French pronunciation. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. Right. Les Mysteries de Nautilus, which sounds also oh, like the Hong beautiful. Kong one. <laughs> this <laughs> Nautilus mystery or something. Uh, and so have you been on that or walked I have. That? Okay. Yes. So I guess it's still there too. And it says. Um, it's, it's really pretty. Walk through attraction. Apparently there is an attack from a large animatronic giant squid. No. Are we still on According to Mike TV? We still are According to Mike TV. With this part? Okay, that's not true. (laughs) Apparently there is. So it might have been B-mode when you were there. What? Did I miss that too? (laughs) You got Yeti. Are you serious? Disco Yeti squid. Yeah, it says it does a whole attack. A large animatronic. (laughs) I don't remember that. I'm pretty sure I would remember that. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. We should find it. I, I didn't even know about any of that. The walkthrough or the oh animatronic. My God. So that is not a fib. Yeah, that is supposedly a real feature on this attraction. And so there we go. We're back on shore. I hope you enjoyed the history of the submarine voyage, according to Mike TV. Oh, my God. I missed so many things. You did. And as usual, gosh, I'm looking back. It's already ruined. There's one fun one that I forgot to say, a, a, a fib. So I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I was going to mention that in 1998 through 2002 in Disneyland, when there was nothing at the ride, they had Subway Sandwiches come sponsor the area, and they had a Subway Sandwich quick service, but you couldn't build your own sandwiches. You can only order the Nautilus Sandwich, which had olives and pickles in it. 
oh no why would you do that <laughs> i mean it sounds similar to like the westward ho right right with yeah. the just french fries you can't have anything else here no other mcdonald's but, you know sub sandwiches you could go yeah but that was going to be a fib i forgot to mention it um did not happen <laughs> Now, let's see. Some of the other fibs that uh, went under your submarine radar were there was one song that did not play, which was Under the Boardwalk. You were almost kind of going there. Oh, when okay. Like, oh, that's more like boardwalk themed beach. Not yeah, that's kind of weird, but all right. <laughs> uh, so that one did not play at all during the original run. Um, there was also a part here about Santa's Village. Okay, you did get that. Correct. You called me out. There was no Santa's Village underwater. But the North Pole really was a scene. Um, You also called out the Topless Mermaid. Okay, so you're actually doing good. You called out the Topless Mermaid. That does not exist. And then there is only one more, which was the Hong Kong Disney Submarine Voyage did not exist. There's no such thing. Oh. (laughs) With Star Tours technology. So that's not an attraction. Yeah, it's it's pretty lame. Why would they do that? (laughs) Just have a... That seems more like um, seems... like Great America or Six Flags. Or yeah, Six Flags. yeah, come on. Or Epcot. <laughs> or oops, Epcot. <laughs> of, uh, yeah, so good job. Well, picture is the pavilion. There weren't that many that I had to throw in there because it was already a very fascinating Okay, history. okay, yeah. so I didn't actually do that yeah, bad. I was going to say you're not allowed to try this against me when I'm sick again because I'm obviously like <laughs> a bit cloudy. not in it. <laughs> I need to though, okay, lesson for everybody, all you Disney hogs out there. Do some research on parks you go to because I did not research Paris and now I just learned a second giant oh, animatronic gosh. evidently that I completely missed. Wait, you missed the dragon, I didn't even know about that right? until today. What'd you say? You missed the dragon? Is that what the other The one? dragon. Wow. I didn't know it was there. And like if you look at, like if you do no research, like you go in blind, which I love doing because I just don't want, I just want everything to be surprised. Every moment of my life if I could have somebody surprise me with everything, I would do it. Like, I just no spoilers, like it like no that. No spoilers. No spoilers. It's like everything has to be a celebration. Um, but I get myself in the wrong direction sometimes because of that, right? So this amazing animatronic that was under the castle in Paris, which is beautiful. The I think the Paris castle is probably my favorite. It's gorgeous. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing and it's right there. But if you don't know it's there, you're not going to see it it's like a little corridor that's down on the side like you know where the wishing well is like picture that but even more obscure yeah. like it's i mean even our disneyland find. sleeping beauty walkthrough most people don't know it's there and yeah that, something like that yeah. think of that wow yeah. that's so, i missed it so we gotta and go I missed another. and i love animatronics especially giant ones and now i've missed two of them in paris and ones that you can only see there <laughs> Even, yeah, even I need to go back. Evidently. Time to go to Disneyland Paris. Um, gosh, well, I'm soaked, soaking wet after this underwater episode. I appreciate you uh, listening to my miscellany because I just had so much stuff I needed to talk about. And we also talked about all these random underwater facts about Disney movies, including Star Wars and Avatar, or Pixar. Um, maybe some of us will check out Avatar this weekend. And then, of course, we had some fun with the submarine voyage history. What an episode. Yes, that was fun. So thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed episode 115 of the Disney Holics show. Follow us on social media at the Disney Holics. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a message on Instagram or email us at fanmail at the Disneyholics.com. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. There's more to life than what you're living. So take a chance and face the wind. 
Man, I really want to go to Disneyland. 